This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Here is the exclusive story behind the massive promotional push of Sleep's triumphant comeback record. The Science. November 4th, 2013. Let's make a record. August 14, 2015. Did we make a record? July 7, 2016. Did we ever put out that record we made? December 3rd, 2017. I think I lost the record. April 18th, 2018. Hey, I found the record we made. Let's put it out. A story with this much adversity and heartbreak can only be seen to be believed. Sleep, the sciences. Feature film version coming soon. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, everybody. How's it going, man? It is your host, uh, Petter Speich. I am always joined by the very serious Brandon Hahn. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. And I'm Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. <laughs> and I am on Twitter, Facebook at Rise to a Fan. This week, guys, we are interviewing Selenos from Demu Borger. The new record, Ionian, is coming out May 4th. Before we get to this interview, um, as always, we'd love to talk about the Metal Sucks News. A story that we have been talking about the last few weeks, guys, has been the CD streaming, all that nonsense. This week, uh, Vince did put out uh, a new story about Apple. Mu- Apple will stop selling music downloads on March 31st, 2019. So the music downloading service from Apple, which would be buying the record for like 10 bucks and then downloading it, Will be gone in, I guess, less than a year at this point. Now I now now I'm getting to the point where it's like, okay, you're getting a little too greedy with this, with the streaming, because it's like now, what's the point of buying an album? Right. What's the point of buying an album? I mean, I know they make pennies on the dollar on the downloads too, on the like paid for, but even still, yeah. I mean, it's more than what they were making for streaming. Dude. So I mean, this is really just. And the only reason to take that. Okay, let's be. Do you guys ever buy the downloaded records? Yeah. Okay, I I, I haven't in a long. I don't think I ever had. I, I have because I know there are certain albums that had like iTunes exclusive songs. Well, and right, offer- and I remember doing stuff like that. But it's very rare I did. Now. Because you're paying the same price for that as a physical copy. Yeah, because then they they give you the digital, um, they give you the book. Book, yeah, Yeah. digital booklet. You know, and just like you said, there's a couple of uh, extra songs that you can take advantage of. But but again, like something like this, though, I mean, you're basically just telling somebody who cares about the album. Why would an artist even go forth with an album? If everything's just streaming, it's really weird. Like as as you said, for creating the new art, if everything just goes to streaming, because it. Why would you create artwork? Dude. Why would you create the, all those things that like kind of come with a packaging? If things go to streaming, like does it have any purpose? It's going to start costing like an MMA fight level ticket to get into a concert just for bands to make money. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, yeah it's like because they have to. Have to yeah, because yeah, they're going to have to find some yeah. way because the the merch by itself is already ex- is already crazy expensive. Yeah. I mean, silly knows worth it. You. <laughs> 
<laughs> worth it usually. Always worth it for me. I bought an $80 machine head sweater, and that sweater is dope. <laughs> it's dope as fuck, but $80 goddamn dollars, <laughs> yeah. and it's just fleece. That's but it. But it's, do- it's a thick sweater. I, I, lo- I love the sweater. It's his head case on the top. I saw yeah. it. It's great. But it, $80 is a lot for a sweater, but that's how much they're going for, man. Yeah. I mean, that's how they have to make their money. Uh, yeah, and I get it. I'm the same way. I will, I will not. I will just have extra money for the merch. And then every now and then I'll be like, damn, I can get two shirts. Yeah, I'm a, um, I'm a firm believer that if you're not going to buy the album, at least buy the merch. I mean, concert. I, I'm so with Apple like- doing this, though, so Apple saying, okay, forget it, we're not going to do that. But two things. First thing, Apple, remember when they had the iPod and they discontinued it um, because they felt that, hey, you have a phone now. Yeah. So we just want people buying the phone, so we're going to get rid of this other product. Even though that product would still sell for... I think a certain amount of people will be like, no, I just want the iPod. I don't want it all mixed in together, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a market out there. I'm not saying it's going to be as popular, but to get rid of it all together probably wasn't necessary at the time um, unless you want to move to something next. And same with this. It's like, I mean, it's all about production cost. I think that's what it is. It's just like lowering production costs or just getting rid of shit so I they could just move forward. With and that's what, that's what I'm saying because the music downloading, it, the numbers are down. People aren't buying it as much as they used to because of streaming because it doesn't really make sense to pay $10 per album if you're going to experience the same way as you're streaming, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Well, that's my point is that like because music downloads have been going down for a while because people still torrent. People still illegally rip music off the internet. So people were only downloading stuff that like... You know, like for as long as I've known people to have a computer, mm-hmm. they've they've gotten a way to find the album. Since so Napster. I can't I can't imagine that people are spending more than twelve dollars every few months on music downloads. Mm-hmm. But this way, they're getting ten bucks a month now, automatically coming out. I'm of your sure account. something tells me though they have to be at least charging a little bit more for the service. Well, that's what that's, what that, what that's obviously doing. the plan. I know yeah. it's not setting that in the article. Well, but of in course my mind, not. I'm that's like, Apple's. Right. That's Apple's game because they're they do it this shit. It'll they be do fifteen. Sh- it'll be fifteen dollars a month in no time. I will tell you. I mean, it was like Netflix went from ten to fifteen. Yeah. This is so fucked up because Apple always tries to pretend like they're for the consumer. You know, yeah. but no one fucks over their consumers more than Apple because they do this type of shit. Pete, look at our laptops that we just got. We have yeah. like we have laptops that are like a, under a year, maybe a little over a year old, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. You know, and it's like and now and you don't have the USB hookups to it. You have to buy a seventy dollar piece to actually right. put a flash drive into your fucking computer. Well, it was like two years ago they were like, Oh, we know you guys like headphones, but fuck you. <laughs> they yeah. just took away the headphone jack. Yeah, and then now they're making yeah, and it's because because they want to push. Yeah, their that, products. Uh, that, that, yeah, the, the earbuds. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a. It's a racket. I mean, this is a money grab for sure. And and I, you know, it. It. I'm already so indoctrinated into the Apple culture. It sucks. Like I want to pull out because I know it's just consumeristic bullshit. That's what I'm saying. Like I guess the thing that bothers me is with with Apple. Like when it goes to this, like it's this crazy hipster liberal thing, you know, to have an Apple computer. But no one is more capitalistic than Apple. Right. No one. Right. Uh, and I, I I agree and disagree on both things because I think the Apple product he is... He disagreed with Jocelyn, I know. Okay, maybe. I'm I mean, not saying I her. do. I'm, I might be disagreeing First with you. No, I'm not, I'm no. not, mm-hmm. not going to continue that that way, but mm-hmm. I, the, if you if you prefer the Apple products, like, can you really go back to the PC? No. And I don't that's another so. thing. You know why? Because their products are superior. Well, to me. The, you're, you're if right. you know it. You're right. But the, the one the reason I can't go back is because all my Apple products are linked. Yeah. My, so it's like my music is linked with my iPhone, and I, those are the two things that I use and my constantly. Computer. And I got an Apple Watch, too. Yeah. I mean, it's like I might as well have uh, Steve yeah, Jobs. Yeah, Apple Watch. I don't, I don't yeah, know why. You might as well start wearing a black turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shave my head. <laughs> so in that same article, though, I... Then did, you guys could fire me, and then I could come back <laughs> and take it over and fire you. <laughs> <It'll be weird. laughs> 
That's the movie I saw. Yes, that. thank you. Yeah, Pete. I saw that movie. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yes. you gave me you gave me the Pete Spajic, huh? Smile. No, and then no, I was I like, oh, that's there. Okay. The last thing I want to see is Ashton Kutcher act. <laughs> no, that's that's Fassbender. a different Steve Jobs movie. <laughs> oh, okay. You're talking about yeah. the Fast. Give me Fassbender. <laughs> yeah, they they did. I know they did. I didn't see that one. Sorry. <laughs> Give me oh, the okay. German guy that talks American. <laughs> so, in the same article, it did say that Apple has 40 million paid subscribers um, for the streaming service, and like Spotify has 71 million. But so that means they're making 400 million dollars a month. No, they're they're killing. I know, and that's what I'm saying. And the move, and the mu- the money they're paying back to musicians. That's what I'm getting. That at. is heartbreaking. 400 yes. million dollars a month, and musicians are making like less than a penny. Less than like no, it's a, like it's like a thousandth of a penny. Yeah, a play. that's what I mean. Like way and, late, and I'll yeah. tell you what's kind of sad is they have like people like uh trent reznor running a lot of their creative departments you would think that someone like that would stand up and go uh there's guys over here i mean if i'm making 400 million he's probably making a good penny well i'm sure but i mean i'll sell out for that's a what i'm saying million. i mean the fact that apple has trent reznor as a fucking employee tells you a lot yeah I you mean, know I mean, it but tells it also, you a lot, but I mean, it's like, dude, give back a little bit. That's, that's the whole point. Like I'm tight. Like right now, capitalism is killing art. It is killing it. No, it, it's, it's slaughtering art, yeah. but capitalism is, it's a, it's like toxic capitalism. Well, it's then, not like, I mean, there's like an ethical capitalism and then let's get like involved, but it's like capitalism these days is like, it's just, well, to- like I said, Apple it's just and ruining everything yes. for Apple the Apple and dollar. Amazon own us. They mm-hmm. own us. Yep. And Apple owns music because think about it. If you're a band and you want to get your music out there, what do you, you can't not, what are you going to do? Not putting it on iTunes? Right. Or, or, or I mean, your podcast host. Yeah. What are you going to do? No, but I mean, I, mean, I tell <laughs> iTunes to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, we need you. Please give us a five-star review. <laughs> But with that, I mean, so so uh, like you said, they're making as much money as you guys mentioned. But uh, Spotify has seventy one million, Apple has forty million for the streaming services. In the grand scheme of things, with the price tag, that's making a lot of money. But that's not that much if you compare it to like the world or like what. There's three hundred seventy three million people in America alone, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So there's only what. You know, well, thirty percent well, are using streaming services. If that's not the world, so not everybody is on board with the streaming services. What I think is that if if they take the music downloads away, I think that people will buy the physical product more. Absolutely, because they'll have nowhere to it's turn. Supply and demand for it's sure. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the consumer, like like all these things that are happening, like I said, the reason this capitalistic stuff works is because that's what the consumer wants. You supply, you demand. If it works, it works. Well, you know? and not bringing that's, up, not trying to bring up like all the shitty stuff that we try and avoid talking about, but no the, rape talk. <laughs> but the, all the rape. There is no uh, rape news stories. Uh, <laughs> no Nazi talk. <laughs> so you know, like no Nazi mean, talk this week. <laughs> this, this <laughs> a little Nazi well, talk next week. Probably. Little, little I guarantee page, you, just, just a little. There was. Wasn't a Nazi story just this like week. A, just an armband's worth. Just a thin mustache worth. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like this is this year has taught us that the consumer rules, right? I mean, th- people are dropping sponsorships. Like if you piss off five percent of the consumer that it that holds a product for somebody that sponsors you, you lose that fucking sponsor. One little sniff of a scandal. So the consumer does rule at the end of the day. So right now the reason that streaming rules is because the consumer rules. We all have to make a choice. See, I think the consumer doesn't rule. I think that convenience rules. That's and the consumer true. forgets. Yes. And that's and so what it is. Any protest, even if it gets the media Convenience will always win. Well, and on top we, of that, we too, want everything easy. How yeah. many people are going to rise up before realizing what they're doing, actually helping out the art, helping out the things that they love the most? Yeah. Instead, they're just going to think about themselves. You know, because again, 
like I said, the only reason that the steam, the only reason I have the Apple Music is because that's the way it's headed anyway. It's yeah. like we've already lost. The artists have already lost. So. Well, I mean, you can you can see it and that way. And you can keep fighting the good fight, like Pete. I'll you know fight the I mean? good fight, but, dude. I'll tell you right now, when it comes down to it, like when it's like, hey, I I can't. You know, when all my only option to hear music is streaming, that my collection stops <laughs> like, yeah. and I live off what I got. It's like, you know, what? it's it's OK because I'm not going to go that route. It's not something I'm interested in. And I think it's a bad and piss poor idea, even though it's easy and the consumer loves it. It's not something for me personally. Well, it's, there's it's, a lot of me's out there. I mean, yeah, everybody's going to say, you're like, oh, that's an old look way of looking at things. No, Brand, I really legitimately enjoy my music and take the time no, I know to that. enjoy that but shit. Like you, when you were talk- <laughs> I love that you didn't object to what he said, but he immediately addressed you as if you Yes, asked. I thought you did. Yeah, I thought you did. Yeah, I was ready for that. no Brandon. Yeah, he's like, no Brandon. Uh, yeah, you agreed with me for like the first time yeah. ever. So before, yeah, exactly. Pete's so ready to defend himself. And then when no I go. No Brandon. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Pete's like, I'm like, good point. Pete's like, shut up, cunt. I'm like, whoa, take it easy, with Pete. The- Where did that come from? I would never uh, use the C word. I'm no. just trying not to use the D word this episode, okay? And I think I'm doing pretty fucking <laughs> yeah, good. You, All right. You left your dick brain at home. Yeah, I good did, for you. man. Yeah. I left it in my other pants. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so we will probably be talking about this much, much more. But you guys, like I said, you guys love the streaming services, correct? I, I, mean, I love them, but I know it's wrong. Like, I feel guilty, yeah. guiltier and guiltier about it. You're right. Every week. And this is the thing, too, with the streaming services, I will say, because I don't, I don't go on message boards or whatever like that. I mean, it's like I pretty much read a couple of the websites. When was the last time you went on the internet? The 90s? Well, it's, what uh, do you mean uh, message boards? Uh, I'll tell you, I went on the internet right when Ross and Rachel broke up, and <laughs> I learned a lot. No, but I guess what it is, though, is it's like, you, you know, you, you get a part of a scene. Did you just get that? As a Fred's reference. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. No, Brandon. No, it's like, Brandon, no. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Ross. But uh, no, but uh, I guess my, my thing is, though, is with these services, though, I don't know how you can actually take them out without a huge, gigantic revolt. You because can't. there are a bunch of people out there that still feel like these people are charging too much for CDs. And they're just like, well, it costs like a, p- a penny to make that. And you're charging me $14. Aren't you greedy? And I mean, do there are people that will make it sound like no matter what, they're right. And they're the altruistic approach yeah and that's the thing is like what you have to people have to understand the value in it again which is the issue is people don't understand value anymore to pete's point it's all about convenience Boom. Mm-hmm. value value in art man you know and uh yeah and, and a lot of it like you said the, the gouging through the years a lot of that turned off a lot of people like gouging people for certain art but Dude, i'll tell you I, right now like it's gonna you're gonna get gouged in some fashion if you want art to exist you right. have to actually just you know um, play by some sort of like fair rules. And speaking of art, just yes. pe- speaking about being gouged. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at a picture, any picture, if somebody like paints a picture of Yoda, I have a picture and I actually paid like $80 for it. All it is is Yoda and he's, but it's like day of the dead where he's got like yeah. webs and stuff like that. It's a picture that the guy made with a marker and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I saw it and I was like, Ooh, all right, I just want to support art and I paid $80 for yeah. it. But those guys raise the price. I mean, no matter what, I mean, every time I've seen, I've seen people charge astronomical amounts 
yeah, for I mean, like a piece of art. And really all it is is just them taking their hand and just swiping a piece of paper. There's but it a looks painting cool. at Rebar right now, or there was, that was a painting of like a, it looked like a 16th century portrait, but instead of a human's head, it was a pug's head. Uh-huh. And the painting was $350. Yeah. Like there, but we, we accept that as an acceptable price for a painting. Well, mm-hmm. we as, we as consumers, we decide what we want to pay for art. And that's what I'm saying about the streaming service. Everybody's deciding to pay $10 to listen to all 23 Motorhead records at once. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and that's what I'm saying. We decide what we pay as a consumer. They had to give us that really dirt cheap price, the bargain big price for music because people stopped buying music and because the internet, you know, they didn't prepare themselves. So it all makes sense. But I just feel that there's a point where it's like you need this art in your life to make your life not feel cold. Yeah. That's I mean, music is one of those things that like if you take it in, I said it I think three times now. You take it in cold, you get nothing out of it, then guess what? You're missing the whole point and your life's gonna be less, you know, if you don't experience it. Same with a book. I mean yeah. I, I I feel the same way a lot of times when I I read a hardback book to like a, a Kindle book. You know, but sometimes, you know, it, but at least it wins. But I will say, though, at but least, you're paying the price. At least yeah, you're, you're paying, paying the, the price. price. At, at least, least the author is right. still getting something I, out. I mean, not to sound like Lars, but Napster really did ruin it. Oh, absolutely. Napster fucking ruined everything. I want everyone to understand when everyone was looking at Lars going, you piece of shit. You're so rich. Oh, he was Look so you. fucking you're prophetic. So, you're so rich. And they hated him. He was 100% right. The one South Park episode, I, I disagreed with those guys on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When they made fun of this. I mean, Napster was the unprotected dick that ruined our lives, you know? Ooh, she just venereal diseased us with Napster. Yeah. You just branded Honda's show. Well, you did. She well, wanted God. to use it. That's no, right. No, Brandon. Guess who's got all the dicks coming out of her mouth now? Jocelyn okay. Sharp. That's never changed. That's always been a fact about me. Well, moving on, guys. Um, if you guys haven't subscribed to the Metal Sucks YouTube channel, they got a lot of great stuff. We're, we're big fans of the Whitney Moore uh, Weekend Metal, but uh, Vincent Axel have been doing uh, which like talking about records that we've been kind of clamoring for and you guys should definitely check out their debate. But this week they talked about, will the new guns and roses album be any good? No. Okay. <laughs> debate over. We're done. <laughs> Depends how much cardio has Axel been doing. Yeah. Um, okay. That really, is it that? Yeah. so it's cardio. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Yeah. On this one. You think it's going to be, I, I will say this is my only thing when it comes to certain bands. I just don't, see great music coming out of people that are 50 years old. I don't, I don't, I, I think, I think the musicianship, I think the like the guitar and the drums and the bass, all those are going to be amazing. They're going to be top notch. It's just that the lyrics and stuff that I hear, it's hard for me to, to listen to someone try and be deep, I guess, at, a, at an yeah. older age. It's just, it just doesn't sound right. There's something, there's something that's not catching on. There is something about a young person writing deep lyrics that you can really feel all the feelings. It's a forced perspective because you think that they're smarter, more grown up, but a lot of people don't get out of that youth. So at 50, they're still in that 22-year-old mentality. So... Like Axl Rose but probably also- doesn't have the the fifty year old mentality. Well, and I believe great rock and roll is born out of fucking struggle and, and yes. grime and grit and dark alleyways and bad rock clubs and it smells like dirty piss and and beer. And when you're fifty and you live in a mansion and you drive a suburban, mm-hmm. like what are you going to sing that's about I'm that saying. I'm going to connect? I want to go to a place like if you're fifty, are you going to be a place that smells like uh, you know clean piss? Yeah. So you know what I'm What's saying? the I last mean- Metallica record that was put out that you enjoyed? I mean, I enjoyed. Okay, well, that you thought was good. 
Hardwired people lost theirs. They thought it was great. There was a lot of I great. I thought Hardwired the self destruct was good. I thought Death I thought it was Magnetic good. was good. I, I thought, thought Death Magnetic was better. So did so did I personally. But, but um, Hardwired you know, Anger was just, they fucked up. Uh, but yeah. I, even then, I didn't God. think. But I'm, I'll say this though: Saint Anger they fucked up. I still don't think that it deserved that much disdain. I it mean, became, it's like a household name for shitty albums. Yeah. Like you can say St. Anger and people are like, yeah, but dude, I mean, I didn't think it was that no. bad, yeah. but it was just the fact again, when it's Metallica, your expectations are incredibly high. And then you listen to it and you're like, wait a minute. I don't hear it. I don't hear master of puppets. I don't hear battery. What the fuck? Or, or something along those lines right. that made your, you know, remember when you first heard the skin jumped off your body. It was that bad. So back to the guns and roses. <laughs> okay. No brand. Jesus Christ, no you're wrong. St. Anger was atrocity. So anyways, back to, uh, so you think because of age and all that stuff, you don't think of anything with the fact that, you know, they haven't worked together in all those years, they have something to prove. You don't think any of that stuff would make them be like, we have to put out the best record ever, or you think none of that shit? Well, what constitutes a good record for them, though? What, what are we expecting? Where are the expectations? We, I, would, I would think the expectation would be like a use your illusion. Okay. I, I don't think people are going to go Fuck back. Fuck no, that's uh, not coming out. Okay, okay. Here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. I mean, you, Fuck <laughs> no. Fuck no. And I'm going to tell you why. A quadruple record. <laughs> Let me tell use you. Use your illusion three and four. That's what's, <laughs> yes, exactly. They might yeah. actually do something yeah, like that. Yeah, use your illusion X. It's going to be something dumb like that. But my, the thing is, is when they wrote that album, it was what, 1994? Uh, 91. 91? Okay. 91, 92. And uh, those albums were incredible. But that was also where they peaked. So it's like to be able to find that magic like they had in those records, because God damn, I mean, to put out a double album like that and to have every track, and I do mean that, every track oh, to be good. Yeah. I don't so know. I don't know about every No, track. I thought every track was good. And now granted, you Appetite, 10, 12. Appetite for Destruction is a masterpiece. That is a masterpiece album. But use your illusions one and two to actually follow. Granted, they had lies, but I mean, to be able to follow an album like that and still have the same fanfare that Appetite for Destruction had, you put together something amazing. And unfortunately, no matter what, it will never reach that expectation. Here's the problem with being an iconic band, too. And we've had this discussion oh, before. Yeah, yeah, is that when, when you're an iconic band, here's, here's the thing you have to wrestle with as an artist. Do you give your fans what they want, which what they want is what we already got? Mm -hmm. Or do you try and give them something new and risk them hating it, which 90% of the time they're exactly. going to. Let me tell you, like, and, and I know we're talking more rock than metal this time around, but let me tell you, dude. When we're just talking music in general. Yeah, that's true. But when Van Halen put out A Different Kind of Truth, that last record with uh, they, that they put out when they reunited finally with David Lee Roth. Oof. I loved that record. No. I loved it, right? Me. And a lot of the songs were written from back in the day. I thought that record was, it, it exceeded my expectations. And so the point was is that they did take the older songs that they had back in the day and they did them again. So it sounded like, you know, a vintage kind of record, you know? So for me, uh, you didn't like it. I mean, so like I said, it's, it's, it is what it is. I just didn't like it because you could, because just Dave was not Dave. That's my thing. I mean, it's like he just he could not hit those notes. Oh, live, you mean? Or you mean on the record? On I the record, he sounded good, but I mean, was live, I, live. I'd he see wasn't the, on, on the yeah. on the record. It just it just didn't I mean, sound like what I was used your to. Your voice doesn't stay the same over your age. Like you right. start to age. I mean, I'm. It's very hard for me to picture like with Guns and Roses. It's hard for me to picture Axel just like way up in the rafters hitting those notes that he did. Mm -hmm. Like, which is what you love. That's what you want to hear. Hey, I saw that dude live a couple of, when they, it was the, actually their second show when they came back, came back. And uh, this is after he broke not, his leg. Not on the Lifetime tour, yeah. When, yeah. when he was sitting in Dave Grohl's throne. Dave Grohl's throne. Yeah. And he sounded 
fucking awesome. No, his, and his I was expecting great. him to sound like dog like shit. shit. My wife and I, we went to that show and we were expecting to laugh our asses off. Look at Fat Axel and laugh at him or whatever. I'm like, dude, no, that guy was on point. He was awesome. There you go. But again, but so your cardio to- shit was wrong, Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that was, was a while ago. Throne. That was a while ago. We all know what happened when we hadn't seen Axel for a while last time. Exactly. He gets depressed. He hits the he pizza tried to hard. Jog Twelve feet. <laughs> about had an asthma attack. It's so. that pizza stout. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, for some reason, I think they can pull it off. I, I was a fan of Chinese Democracy, though. Oh. I thought it was. A good I liked record, it. Man. I thought it was a decent record, but I'm not going to put it up there with user. Oh, not at all. No, no. no. But I, I mean, I remember like everybody was kind of like, oh, what is this? And I heard it. I'm like, hey, what? yeah, you know, I think yeah, for me, it was too it. much buildup because yeah. I was young. Yeah, I was really young when I started listening to Guns N' Roses. I was like three, four, five, six, grew up with that music and then never got into any of the new albums. I was all way old albums because mm-hmm. that's what my mom listened to. And then the next album I heard was Chinese Democracy. And I was like, Bleh. yeah, and right. I, and that's why I don't think the next tool record I, I see. I think tool is a different animal. Yeah, though. it's different. I think it's a different animal because, you know, you're expecting that melodic sound and you can that will last. Right. Like bands like Deftones, for example, they can keep putting out records and everyone will like them because they stay in that little pocket that they that they, right. that they made for themselves. Right. And Tool is a very much like that. But Guns N' Roses, though, they came from an era when rock and roll was king. Songs were written different. They were a lot longer. They talked about different subject matter. And I just don't know if we could go back to I mean, that you in just, this day and You age. separated it right because one band you do Coke to see and one you do Mushrooms to God, see. So those are much oh. different energies. Ooh, mushrooms. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want them on my pizza. And for all those that love St. Anger, you guys, I'm sorry if I shit on that record. It was horrible. But uh, I love Judas Priest Nostradamus, so you guys can all yell at me for that one because okay. I, I, I think that record's very underrated. Anyways, uh, next story, good, happy story, guys. As we all know, back in 2015, the Ghost Inside, they had that horrendous bus crash. Everybody rallied behind them. Um, I just remember, like, the, I can't remember how much money was funded for them, but it was well over $100,000. I remember Epitaph Records was like, hey, you buy their record, full money goes to them because they lost limbs. They're, uh, I mean, just damaged for life from that bus crash. And uh, this last week, guys, they actually uh, did their first rehearsal and it's just really inspiring that like these 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 this kind of accident ends a musician's career for sure. Yeah. I mean, on uh, like three out of five of the guys, like this is done. You 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 can't continue. And the fact that they just kept pushing on and kept pushing on, and and the fans have always been behind them, and they actually did that rehearsal this week. That's a very very happy moment. Can you so, guys? So three of the members are. Well, I, I want to say three of them were really badly hurt, where they had multiple 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 surgeries, and then. I think two of them had some surgeries, but they were healing. They were okay. So I think three of them were in, in like, and like I said, uh, I did follow it all the way through, but I don't know every surgery. I just do. There were seriously probably like eight, 12, 13, 15 surgeries. These guys, and did. You know there was a, a limp, there's limbs lost. It was, it was like a big, a, a, something like yeah. that. So when, when you're in a band like that or just a group, anything, I mean, whether it's a band or a platoon, you go through something like that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you okay. go through, I mean, you, I, 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 I understand what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. You go through something like that and you, ha- you, you band together. Something that changes you to the something, core. Yeah. And, and not just to the core, but physically, yeah. I mean, just everything mentally. You, you, I mean, how can you even uh, put that in the back of your mind and keep on moving on? I'll definitely be supporting whatever they come right. up with. Cause you that's know, super awesome. So those guys to, to, they all had to have looked at each other and said, the goal is this mm-hmm. and they made it happen. 
I mean, that right there is a fucking movie. That needs to be a fucking movie. Yeah. Yes, yes. Starring. Oh, who? Don't say Shia LaBeouf. Don't, <laughs> don't say. He ain't allowed. <laughs> yeah. We're done with Shia LaBeouf. Who are you going to say? Zach Start... Braff. Go. Zach Braff. We're done with <laughs> Zach Braff. <laughs> Anyways. No, no. Uh, we apologize to the ghost inside for Reddit's casting. Eh, so. This April, Polish Black Death Overlords Behemoth will release their new live DVD Blu-ray, Mess Noir, via Metal Blade Records in the USA. Mess Noir includes the band's Victoria shows in Warsaw, Poland on October 8, 2016, and Brutal Assault 2016, as well as the Satanist Cinematic Archive, featuring all official videos associated with the band's globally successful record of the same name. Make sure you go out right now, pre-order Mess Noir at MetalBlade.com slash Behemoth. Once again, Mess Noir, MetalBlade.com slash Behemoth. And with that, guys, here is my interview with Selenaz of Demu Borger. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Selenos from Demu Borger. We are talking about the new record, Ionin, which is coming out May 4th worldwide, man. And you stated uh, that you feel that this new record is your best material to date. Um, and I know a lot of people say that, but what was the different writing process for you guys on this album? Well, I think in particular, we didn't uh, have a deadline for this album because we, we wrote the album because we wanted to, not because we had to. And I think that is, uh, is the main difference. You know, uh, Obviously, we have always done what we want uh, artistically and visually and, and all that stuff, but... Um, I think uh, spending the time, uh, all the time we did on this album, uh, reflects that you know the, the maturity um, in the songs and the songwriting, um, and yeah, it it just feels good to uh, to spend the time you need to uh, to try and come to cl- as close to perfection as possible. And um, you know, with with past albums, obviously time crunches were a little different, but you guys are at a stage in your career now where you don't have to put out an album every two or three years and you can do that. Is that an approach that you would recommend going forward? I think uh, <clears throat> Dimu has always been the type of band that hasn't followed the, the typical uh, uh, release album, go on tour, release album, go on tour. You know, we have always been like kind of on the outside, like an underdog to that uh, sentiment. So, um, and I, I feel really good about that. You know, there's uh there's no correct way of, of going about being in a, in a band these days. So I think we just have found our way how to do it. And we kind of have to trust ourselves that we do the best we can at all times. And uh, hopefully uh, the fans will like it too, you know? Oh, yeah. I have, I have no doubt, man. It's, I'm, I'm extremely excited, especially when, when there is so much stuff coming out, you know, like music-wise these days and, and all the mass media um, it's an event when a band like you guys have a record coming out, you know, it's, it kind of like it, it, you get prepared. Cause I remember when I heard about it in February, I was like, all right, let me revisit the old catalog. Let's get prepped up, you know? And that's something that works really well. But, um, and you guys have been on nuclear blast for a very long time. I mean, since 2000, am I right? No, since 1996, actually, when oh. we signed. All the way from the um, start. So, uh, okay. The first, first album for us with Nuclear was in 97 and Throne Darkness Triumphant. Uh, so, yeah, it's been over 20 years now and that we have uh, collaborated. And that's that's kind of rare. I mean, so your guys' relationship is obviously really good with them, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, it's very good. I mean, it's um, we always have a, a mutual understanding for, for things, and they let us do our 
thing, uh, which is to write albums and do it in our tempo. And they know that if they let us do that, they will get a good product that they can manufacture and sell, which is, you know, when we uh, released the album now on uh, May 4th, um, it's basically out of our control and out of our hands, so to speak. So then it's up to everybody else to... Uh, either like it or, or hate it <laughs> nah. <laughs> every album though it don't you feel like it kind of goes in waves though like you release it at first you get the initial response and then people live with it for a while and then there's like a another response like a year later or two years I, i've noticed that more and more that like it's all about giving the album the time it needs because some records do need more time you know you guys don't write um short record well i mean you know there's a couple in there but like for the most part it's it's a lot you know so you want to take it in for a little while i know that's i know a lot of people don't do that these days but um do you feel that that's necessary for uh for people to really understand and really critique if they're going to yeah i think so and um but at the same time i don't expect people these days to to sit down and use the patience to listen to albums and get totally into it you know it's uh it seems like it's a fast-paced uh, type of world we live in these days, and and the new generation they uh, they just want it uh, to be uh, an immediate thing, you know, when they listen to music. So, but hopefully, um, since we spent quite a few years uh, writing this uh, album, like three four years, uh, hopefully the fans still have some patience left to to let it sink in under the skin, you know, and uh, take it all in because it's. It's it's like an onslaught of uh, information listening to the album, so you need to give it some time for sure. Awesome, man! And that's let's let's talk about time because Eonian it means uh, lasting for an immeasurable or a different long period of time. And uh, you mentioned the theory of, of time kind of representing uh, an eternal now in another interview that I saw. At what stage in your life did you take a deep look at the concept of time? Well, I think it's just been in the back of my head uh, since I was born. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of like a funny thing because you you go about life and then you uh, I think the older you get, the more mature you get. You you kind of um, become more aware of stuff. You know, uh, and the stuff that really matters. You know, and uh, the stuff that matters to me is not fame or money or anything like that. You know, it's about living in the moment and and do as best as you can in, in all situations, basically. So uh, that's what we tried to, you know, have in the back of our mind when we wrote this album, too. And we just knew that we had to, you know, uh, spend the time it took to to finish it and, uh, and not try and rush anything or, you know... Um, so that that's the main uh, main idea, I think, to uh, to let go with the flow, basically, and uh, and not um, think too much or too far ahead because it's you never know what's going to be around the corner, you know. And when you have that like approach where you're living in the present, like you were just saying, there there's a lot more. Um, I don't know what it is, freedom, I guess, because you're living in the moment uh, instead of taking like the anxiety of living in like the future right that that comes with that so yeah i told yeah i totally agree with that because it's um um it's important to uh to spend time wisely you know and that's uh, for me it's it's an eternal now <laughs> type of thing uh 
So yeah, it, I mean, it, it's not a really a concept album, but uh, I, I guess you can draw uh, uh, links between the the songs if you if you really look for it, you know. Um, but other than that, we feel that you know it's it's a great new record, and uh, we believe it's it's one of the best stuff we have done. You know, I mean, if we didn't have that belief that we would top the previous one, we would still be working on this one. It's it's kind of like a cliche, but it's true. <laughs> Abracadabra was a phenomenal, like a, a great record. Fans, critics, we all loved it. So you did have a little bit of that pressure, you know, following that one up. Uh, going into that do you ever feel that when you're recording a record um i guess we in a way we put pressure on ourselves because we want to do better than the previous one that's i guess that's how artists think you know whether you're a musician or a painter or a, or a writer or whatever um and but at the same time uh, you also know that uh, perfection is something that you cannot achieve so you you try your best to to get as close to that as possible, obviously, and uh, but at the same time, when we when we were writing the songs for this album, we we tried not to analyze or dissect the the music or the songs too much. We tried to uh, be a bit more spontaneous about things, and there's a, quite a few art by accident things on on the album too. And uh, I think that's uh, you know, once you get older, you you kind of uh, are able to to go outside of your own ego and uh, and that's how we also become better producers and better songwriters i think to actually challenge ourselves to look at our own uh, work uh, from an objective point of view nice so and you did get uh francesco farini from uh, flesh god apocalypse he did help out with some of the additional orchestrating on the on the record um, well you know what that's totally taken out of context oh it is i don't know why he made that press release but uh <laughs> that's a question for jens the, uh, the co-producer because uh, we haven't even spoken to uh to that guy so uh and we had everything done before we went to the studio with when it comes to orchestral arrangements and the choirs and all that stuff that was done like couple of months before we actually went to Sweden to record uh, the main drums and guitars and vocals. I apologize. The internet got me. See what happens. When yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing, the internet, you know, but uh, yeah, we haven't even been in touch with the guy. So. <laughs> yeah, so, but, and with the uh, orchestrating, when you guys do a record, at what stage do you bring that? Like, like your writing process, I'm curious about, because what stage, what's written first, and then what stage do you decide to bring in the, the orchestrations? And for us, we have, we have used, like, keyboards and orchestral uh, samplings for many years, you know, and we, we use that as a writing tool as well, just as much as we uh, use guitars or, or drums, for that matter. I mean, I can program a drum beat that I get into my head and have no melody, but... Once this program, I can sit with the guitar and like, oh, this might fit, you know, and come up with ideas that way. And I think there's there's no set formula how to write the demo song. We just uh, whatever works at the time, you know, and whatever we think sounds cool, we keep, and the rest we skip or we put it back into the riff bank for later. And we were talking about time and 2018. Uh, it is the 15 year anniversary of Death Cult Armageddon. It is your guys' 25th year anniversary as a band yeah. and uh so 15 years ago um you know this record came out and that was you know from from my experience growing up that in, in america at least that was the big breakthrough record for you guys it, it, it is that how you remember it as well or no 
Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with that because we did quite a lot of touring for that album. And obviously when we played Ostfest, we, uh, we exposed ourselves to a lot of uh, different crowds. So that, uh, again, helped us. Um, that was back in the day when we still sold CDs or bands still sold CDs. I think uh, Death Cult has reached 150,000 sold just in the U.S. alone mm-hmm. at this point. So being the type of music that we play and all that stuff, it's, that's quite an achievement uh, if you look at sales. But yeah, that was definitely um, an album that put us uh, more on the map, I guess you can say. And looking back 15 years ago on that record, how do you feel about it today? I still feel that that's like one of the pillars in the, in the catalog uh, of the band. You know, I feel like Enthroned Darkness Triumphant was the, the first one. Uh, Death Cult Armageddon was the second one. And we feel that the new one is going to be the third one. And, you know, that's going to uh, make, a, make a huge mark in, in our history and our catalog. Oh, man, that's exciting. Yeah, I got to tell you. <laughs> so, because Abra, Abra Hadabra, I didn't get to see you guys on that tour. Um, I, I don't know if you did come to Las Vegas. Because the last time I saw you guys, um, it was with Unearth and Terror at the House of Blues out here. And I believe. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. That wasn't the Abra. See, my, I, I, I forget. That was back on. No, in, that was in. Uh, that was in Sort to the Abra tour. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I, dude, I'll tell you right now, that was the first time I saw Terror, and I was, uh, they were, <laughs> they're, they're, they're a crazy live band. Anyways, the point is, is that, so I haven't seen you guys in like, man, I guess it's 10 years maybe. So, and you're coming wow, out, yeah. you're coming out here to Psycho Vegas, you're headlining. Uh, this is the, to me, Psycho Vegas is the best festival. It brings all the right. bands that I love, to, uh, to Vegas. And, uh, you guys are headlining that tour and, and you announced kind of a limited us tour around it, just like three or four dates. Is that right? Four yeah. Days? It's, it's like once we're over there for that festival, we figured, um, we would do some more, uh, a couple of more exclusive shows just to kind of like reintroduce us to, to the American market in a way, but we will be back uh, next year for a full tour of course, and, and more touring later as well. So this is like just a little test i guess you can say so but yeah we really look forward to play uh psycho vegas i've heard a lot of great things about it and i also like that it's such a varied lineup uh and covers all different types of bands that's really good you know like as a fan like when you see all like the band guys just hanging out and watching all the bands like it's rare i see that at, at, at a lot of festivals but they'll be in the crowd you know yeah because like you said it's so varied and then there's like four stages, but one of the stages is a pool. Now, I don't know. You guys are on the big stage. So don't worry about it. But the pool, the pool stage is right. to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, so after 25 years though, I mean, in the game, it's, it's a, it's a long time. You know, we just saw Slayers announcing their retirement and all those things. I mean, they got about a decade yeah. past you guys, but there is a point where you, you, you're going to stop and think, Hey, you know, um, we've achieved so much with this music, you know, and that, retirement is an option is that something that has crossed your mind ever uh not really uh but i'm sure it will come sooner or later i guess but uh um but um yeah it's uh i still feel that once if we um have still have something to to show for and something relevance you know we will still be here i think uh, and that goes for any band um I guess. Uh, so, and we feel that we still have a lot uh, left to offer, and uh, and we're already thinking about the next album. 
so that's uh, that's going to be uh, interesting, you know, once we start fully working on that. But right now, of course, the main focus is to get back on the world stages and play and perform, uh, share the new songs and share the new energy with the fans, you know. Oh, 100%. And when you do take uh, as much time as you guys did right on this record, um, do you have a lot of songs uh, kind of almost half written we could uh, i mean we could still be working on on uh, on an album and we would easily uh, could have done a double album if, yeah. if that was the case but uh, we figured that oh we need to and we need to get this stuff out now yeah, <laughs> you nice. know uh, it's not it's not like we spent eight years writing the album though it, uh, but uh yeah the last three four years i guess we were uh, speeding up the songwriting process and uh, that's how we finalized uh most of the songs, but there are there are a few few ideas and a couple of songs from 2012, 2013 on the new album too, which is probably closer to uh, to the Abra Hadabra album. Uh, the The first single, Interdimensional Summit, was it was written in 2012, 2013, I think. So that's probably the the closest link to the previous album. And, and do you like the EP format? I know you guys put out a couple throughout the years, but is that something that you feel is okay or is it already at the stage where it's like let me just put out full records yeah I, you know for me uh since i grew up in the early 80s you know vinyl is it's always been the thing for me so um eps are totally totally fine by me you know nice <laughs> but um i think these days it's it's important to uh, once you actually do release a new product it's it's cool to to find other ways of uh, promoting it and uh, EPs seems to be uh, something that the fans want and um, yeah and the same with vinyls as well in you know it's it's coming back full full circle now so I, I love it and the one thing about nuclear blast I still I'll still buy cassette tapes so and nuclear blast always let's gives me that option like you guys are available you know the new record new record for anybody that's like me to pre-order a cassette you can pre-order a cassette a vinyl all that stuff and um, yeah. I love just the option, you know, you know, uh, uh, most of the times I'm going to pick up the CD, you know, cause that's then I can listen to it. But um, every now and then, like, like, you know, it's nice just to get that, you know, option. And, and I do think like you were saying, like vinyls coming back because, you know, the streaming services like, and I don't want to say anything bad because we talk about it too much on the show, I feel like, but it's just a cold, <laughs> it's just a cold way to take in music, man. And, and it, and, and, and money affects art in a lot of ways. It also makes it great mm. in a lot of ways. So it's a double-edged sword. But Yeah, um, there's a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah. It's because people want to, to treat music like art. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, in general, uh, the metal genre has uh, been still uh, lucky, I think, that uh, the fans still want to have a physical product. Uh, and that helps the genre to st- stay alive, obviously. Um and I don't think that's going to go away uh, anytime soon. Uh, but uh, yeah, for me, the the vinyl uh, is is what I buy these days. You know, uh, I've gotten rid of most of my CDs actually, and uh, now I buy um, vinyl and I buy the same album on iTunes. You know, so I have I have it on my iPod, but I still have it on vinyl, so I can play it. There was a, there's a lot of vinyls though, and I, and I, I wish this was everyone. It's not the case. I know that gives you that MP3 code. You know when you buy it, and you can like right, actually yeah. download. But yeah, I, I have in the last few years, I've noticed that's they're taking that away. But I feel like five years ago, like every vinyl I was picking up, I had that little code. So like like you said, so you don't have to buy it on on the iTunes as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, we just did an article where Apple is going to stop 
letting you buy the uh, the album downloads. I guess in a year from now. All right, so they they they're just gonna stop it all together, and then you have to like stream it yeah. like on Spotify. And, yeah. Yeah, that's that's just yeah. yeah I don't. Uh, I'm just yeah. I don't that. know. <laughs> <laughs> right. but, you know, I'm, I know that uh, I know certain people are working really hard to try and get uh, the streaming services to become more fair towards the bands, obviously. But it's it's a long road. It's a it's a long and hard road. It seems, but uh, I think it's doable. You know, it's uh, it should be enough for everybody to go around. You know. If you think about it, like there's 40 million subscribers just to Apple Music, 71 million to Spotify, and it's like ten dollars yeah. a month, right? Yeah. That. And then you do the math. In one month, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. In one month, and then they like you're, yeah. you're saying they pay the artists what they pay. I guess in my mind, if 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 Apple wants everybody to stream the music and take stuff from the artists, and that's how they show their respect to the artists, that somewhere along the line people will do that but like you said it's a convenient society we just want what's easy we're not going to overthink it you know unfortunately yeah, yeah so you know, i think it, it it caters to those uh um, music fans that wants thing want things <laughs> or the new generation that are um, expect music or art to be for free you know mm-hmm. um at least that's how it seems from my point of view but no, you're Hopefully right. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I, 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 I hope you're wrong too. But I, I think you're right. I think that if there was a way to teach kids, and this is just you know me talking like I have, I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, if there was a way to teach kids the importance of art to your life, you know, um, in order because a lot of that stuff will when you, you're in depression, when you're in these phases of life, you're gonna need it, you know. And you don't have a friend, music. A lot of us turn to, you know, and the, yeah. the tangible copy the 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 experience of having that and just you know all that and focusing on that is is healthy for for everybody i'll say that about art on everything movies music yeah but i mean if 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 you have if you have the money to go out uh, every second weekend to get drunk or you can or you buy coffee at uh, starbucks every day before work you know and then you expect me or you think music should be for free i think it's you know, you know your priority is a bit wrong in my my eyes <laughs> yeah nope we we are on the same page on that that's for sure man so and i, I did want to touch base on last year's uh dvd um you guys did get to por- perform back in t- 2012 with a 100 piece orchestra uh what, yeah what was the biggest challenge um going into that because 100 pieces like i don't i can't even name 10 instruments i ain't gonna lie but a hundred piece orchestra right. you know so what was the yeah, big, yeah. biggest challenge there and how did how did that come together who who, who put it all together uh well actually it started uh, while we were working on the abrahadabra album we got a call from from the cork orchestra uh and their representatives and asked if we were interested in doing a show with them usually it's the other way around like a band contacts the orchestra but they were the one that came to us which for us was like, wow, shit, this is something that we've dreamt of doing, you know. And um, uh, we, we saw the opportunity and we uh, we got together for a meeting and we decided that, okay, have them and the orchestra play on the album that we were writing at the time. Uh, so we could start planning a show later on down the road, you know, uh, because it, a lot of planning goes into it, obviously. So... Uh, they recorded their parts for the Abra album, and it turned out really great. Uh, and 
the main challenge uh, doing such uh, or that type of show is, is for me from a technical uh, point of view. Uh, it's not uh, the challenge was not to that we wouldn't get tight or that we wouldn't play or fit together. That 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 was uh, pretty much set, you know. But there's so much stuff that can happen uh, from a technical point of view uh, when you put on a show like that. So. Uh, that was my main concern, but uh, once we started rehearsing and uh, and I mean they are totally pros, you know. Um, we learned a lot from from those sessions and the shows, uh, and um, yeah, it's uh, it was like a dream come true to be able to do that stuff. And uh, I'm not going to say that we're never going to do it again, but you know, um, we'll we'll see down the road what happens. You know, we're we're open to anything. So, uh, but right now, I guess we're just gonna focus uh, solely on on the so-called regular touring shows and i'll tell you man like when if anybody hasn't seen the dvd guys go pick up your copy right now go to nuclearblast.com but um and i'm telling you it's worth it because it, it it's it's just epic is the only way to describe like the performance with them you know and, and it's crazy because like the way i mean it was recorded i wasn't there live but i can only imagine the way it came through the speakers like for everybody out there it just gave you the goosebumps right away because there was just there was like this layered beauty you know added to like the classic songs you know a moment that you would try to capture going forward without the orchestra do you think that's even possible well uh, the, the good thing about demo is that uh, uh, when we make a record we we have the you know obviously the perfect sounding side to the band um, but when we play live there is no conclusion basically it's it's more like you know you, you get the more raw sound to the band live and uh, the more stripped down uh, thing and obviously um, logistically and 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 money wise we cannot travel around with orchestra and choir for every show um, that's not doable but uh, we're really happy that we were able to do those two shows because that, that's the most monumental stuff we've done in a live setting and um, and the two shows were a bit different too because the first one in Oslo obviously we had uh, uh, rehearsals and we um, we had a we went through the set during the day with with makeup and, and full on you know before the show before the doors open but for the vacuum show which is a festival uh, you don't have a sound check you have like a line check and uh, you have 30 minutes to get uh, everything, everyone ready on stage, you know, 100 people ready on stage in front of 90,000 people. So obviously it's, uh, it's more of a hit or miss show, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. <laughs> but luckily, I, I mean, when you work with orchestras and choirs like that, which are extremely professional, they, um, uh, that you, you have that in the back of your mind as a, somewhat of a security, you know, so... If everybody in the band itself are uh, are doing what they're supposed to, um, nothing really goes wrong apart from if some technical stuff uh, can happen. But that's pretty much out of your control anyway. So you're there to perform, and the same with the orchestra and choir. Last couple questions, dude. I just want to talk about um, first off. Let's talk about the album art. Like the album art has a representation, but then you guys do the the band photos. You have the look that you're going to do. And it's always a different kind of style per record. Um, do you guys come together and kind of formulate all that to make it coincide with each other? Or is it just something that you guys do in stages? No, we, we do it both in stages. And, you know, you know, ideas are always floating around. And, 
and I think once we were actually recording the drums uh, for the album in, in Sweden, we we came up with the main, uh, or we, we finalized the main idea for the cover art. Uh, and that's how Vilak, the artist, um, started working on it, you know. So, um, yeah, he I think he nailed it really well, you know. We wanted something uh, different. Uh, we wanted to work with a uh, different designer this time around. And, um, yeah, it, it just, he captured the vibe that, uh, and the ideas that we gave him uh, at one point he said well i have I have a, enough uh, i have too much information now let me work on it you know so <laughs> <laughs> no i mean the same with the clothes as well we had ideas for for that and um everything turned out really really well i think oh it, it looks fantastic and the cover art like i said when you look at it the details and all that stuff in there it's one of those things that you can revisit you know um and so i dude I, I'm just extremely excited. Like I said, it's been it's been eight years. Well, I got the DVD last year, but and that counts to me. I know a lot of bands don't tour on live like records or DVDs, but uh, I wish they kind of did, just because uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It hypes it up for me to get kind of excited. Yeah, I mean, we could we could have easily done a few shows around that uh, release, but at the same time, maybe certain people would expect us to do it with an orchestra and choir, and yeah. you know. But uh, we were so immersed in the songwriting at that time you know it was the so we uh, we had too much stuff on our hands and we felt that okay the album have to come first now you know Priorities. so that's how we yeah yeah exactly man so um oh man but let me just let me just tell everybody if you didn't get it forces of the northern night it's it's cd and dvd package guys like i said go to nuclearblast.com get that one but make sure you pre-order today it's coming out may 4th ionian guys First record in eight years. Follow up to Abrahadabra, which, like I said, was a phenomenal record. I loved it. And so I can't wait to get my copy of this uh, Ionian, guys. And we'll be playing a track so everybody gets a taste uh, right after the interview. But got to tell you, man, I can't wait to see you guys out here in Las Vegas this August. Hey, likewise, man. We can't wait to get back uh, and, and share the music with the fans and uh and play the shows again. It's been too long, so looking it's, forward to it. It's been too long. It's going to be a great year for you guys, man. I, I promise you that. It's going to be awesome. So Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. So I want to thank you so much, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me.
Metal Sucks Podcast. Florida way. 
Atomic Bomb. Hell, I'm gonna hold time. I should tell a Florida child. There ain't nobody safe. There ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. Check this right here. Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. And we're back. First song you guys heard is off the new record, Eonian, which comes out May 4th, guys. That track is Interdimensional Summit. The second song we played is off the news, Melvin's record, which is out now. It's called Pinkus Abortion Tech. That stopped moving to Florida. It just came out Friday, April 20th, guys. Definitely pick up that record if you haven't. It's the Melvins. Always a fantastic time and a fantastic listen. And with that, guys, that's going to end the show this week. Um, Brandon? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> no, Brandon. Wa- no, Brandon. I- Stop. Did you interrupt me? I didn't this time. <laughs> I did not this time. It's just preemptively reacting to you. It's fucking ready. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next week, Metal Sucks Podcast, guys. Pete's got PTSD. I got PTSD (laughs) from you. Five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. Uh, reviews. On the Apple iTunes, even though we just blasted Apple. (laughs) Go to there. Yeah, make us look consumerism, but give us five stars. (laughs) Oh, we're, yes. (laughs) The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.